All right, it's the official end of the year. We just finished our first calendar year of doing this podcast. Yeah. Technically, we started like at the beginning of March, I think it was, or something like that. February? February. So we yeah. haven't gone a full year, but pretty close. And we're not releasing an episode during the holidays between Christmas and New Year's. So we figured we'd drop on and, you know, to satisfy our millions of listeners who constantly want content. Because <laughs> that's all we're here for is just to our deliver millions content. Of, millions of listeners. Exactly. We're, we're such good influencers <clears throat> that we want to make sure that our listeners aren't left out dry during the holiday season. So We are a... We are a boutique listening. I mean, we are. If we talk about servant teaching, we have to serve. You know. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. But we want to reflect on the year and talk about the things that we have learned. Specifically, one thing that each of us has learned as a result of doing this podcast. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? You go first. Well, as I was reflecting on the year, I'm. I think one of the big things that I have learned and something that I want to reflect on more and pursue more is that this notion of best practices and whether or not the best practices that are in place are still best practices. Um, I'm, I've always been a guy that says, well, research says this, so we should do this. Best practices are good in a vacuum. And best practices really do. I mean, some of them are based on research, like formative and summative, assess- and summative assessment. Those have been um, tried over and over and over again. It's pretty much understood that that is a best practice, mm-hmm. right? But some best practices tend to rely on environment, teacher, students, um, another culture, things that are in existence when the research is being done. Mm-hmm. And as a result of the, a study, a best practice is um, revealed and then kind of pushed. Um, but then it's why you have other researchers that come in and practice that same idea in a different setting, different culture, stuff like that. And so I'm kind of wanting to push back a bit on the notion of all these best practices and more specifically the reason is because we had two that i could think of when we had dr schultz and dr conklin on both mentioned how difficult group work is in an online space Mm -hmm. and so but that is what's considered to be hey if you're going to push for community in your online course and coi you know i'm a huge fan of the community of inquiry you want to push for community, you have to create opportunities for students to collaborate or get to know each other. And one of the highest best practices that you see in the research is having them do group work. But when it actually boosts to the ground, instructors are saying group work in an online environment is really, really hard to do. So... Well, they'll say that in a face-to-face environment too. Sure. Yeah. But I'm, I know. But if I'm focusing more on like just in the online space, mm-hmm. and you want to develop community, I think that's an invaluable part of an online course is you want students to feel connected either to each other or to the instructor 
or to the content in some way. That is crucial because, as I said over and over again, students can end up on an island in an online course. You don't want that because that leads to detachment and they just don't finish the course. Are there other ways besides group work that you can foster community and connection? Because it seems like group work is the, what research says, group work is an effective way of doing it. But then you've got actual instructors with students who live in six different time zones and different cultural differences that group work in an ideal, everyone's in the same time zone, in the same culture, believes the same things, um, has, has the same student-to-student -student dynamics and student-to-teacher dynamics, yes, it will work. But that seems like that's the exemplar ideal that no one actually ever reaches towards. It's very rare that actually that actually happens. So to me, I've been reflecting on the idea that like, you know, these best practices don't necessarily always mean best practice and they shouldn't be taken at face value, I guess. I think they're a good place to start. And I think that's... When I use the term best practice, that's what it's become for me over the years. There was a point in my career where I felt like best practices were an end unto themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you realize quickly they're not. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they're just a means. And I think what you have to really focus on is, especially in teaching and learning, is what is the end result that you're after for the student, for yourself, and for others who come behind, um, and you know, my reflection is is has been in that area. So not too dissimilar from yours, but not so much focused on best practice, but more how can we, as educators, as designers, as students, as well, these different hats that we put on from time to time. Because I think, especially as you go on in your career, you're you're often one of those three. You're either designing learning, you're executing some, you know, you're facilitating it, or you yourself are learning from someone else. And you should probably be those three things. Um, you should be doing those three things. Mm -hmm. And because I keep going back to the conversation I had with Dr. Dolph, and I've used it with others quite a bit and I've found that his definition of learning was very apropos you know that learning is change that endures just a simple change that endures three three words three word definition that encapsulates learning now could you be more precise could you use other language most certainly you probably could but obviously as a believer i'd want that change to be good change not just change for change sake but change that makes uh eternal difference not just a momentary difference so when we think about education we think about best practices we think about servant teaching um that's what I've been reflecting on uh, and thinking through the realities of does this best practice actually lead towards change that endures? What are those barriers to change um, from a group setting all the way down to an individual setting? 
you know, obviously for me, I, I, one of the very first things I get to is motivation. Mm -hmm. Is motivation extrinsic or intrinsic? In other words, does it come from the outside? Like I've got to get an A in a class or I've got to do this. So my boss thinks that I'm worth hired. I mean, I was a good hire, you know, um, <clears throat> or is there something internally that's driving me to become better at what I do because it has an, an eternal significance to it that I'm not just taking up space and satisfying my own personal desires. I'm not saying there's not, there's anything wrong with having a good time or enjoying things or by no means am I saying that. Um, but there's more to it than that. And from a Christian perspective, obviously there's an eternal perspective that we should bring to, to what we do. And, um, if we take that seriously, we've got to give it some serious thought. We can't just, you know, yeah, I hope that worked out. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, God's grace is big enough, so I, I'm very thankful for that. But I'm probably more attuned to being um, a little bit more active and trying to have ears to hear. And eyes to see when it comes to serving my brothers and sisters, whether they be older than me, younger than me, same age as I am, um, so that I can help facilitate and design well and learn well. Those are the three things that I'm really so that I think hopefully that'll show up in our in our podcast as we go on into the into the new year. First, I've enjoyed it. I've learned an awful lot from you. Uh, and the gifts and talents God's given you and enjoyed that thoroughly and also seeing there's there's value in doing mm. right I think we both have benefited from just consistently with the team and and I think that's the other thing I got to say is that without this team that we've had there's no way you know, the millions of listeners that we have <laughs> would, uh, <laughs> would, uh, would be there. But all that to say, I, you know, I, I thank Jacob. I thank uh, Lauren, uh, Ryan, Song, Jason. Each one of them have brought something to this that it wouldn't have been without them. Yep. You know? Yep. So, but the listeners don't hear them right. as much. But we plan on bringing them on yep. next year. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I think we're both looking forward to a break. Yeah. This, this, uh, December, but also I think I'll be ready when the time comes. Yeah. <laughs>